The Collier County Sheriff's Office, under the direction of Sheriff Kevin Rambosk, presents Sworn Statement, a podcast exploring local cases and public safety issues, all unfolding right here in Southwest Florida. I'm your host, Christine Gill. The first three episodes of this podcast will focus on the mystery of the deceased hiker known as Mostly Harmless. If you haven't already listened to episodes one and two, go back and do that so that this one makes sense. Episode three is called Life, the Universe, and Everything. When detectives announced that the deceased hiker found in the middle of the Everglades was likely a through hiker by the name Mostly Harmless, one of the most common tips we received involved that nickname. Everyone was quick to point out that Mostly Harmless is the fifth and final book in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series. The book is often described as science fiction, but it's also primarily known for its humor. The author, Douglas Adams, originally wrote it for radio and later adapted it into book format. The first installment published in 1979, and the final book debuted in 1992. I could give you the Wikipedia version explaining the plot and the meaning of the name, but I figured that I would let an expert do that. My name is Simon Jones, and I've been associated with the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy since 1977, when we first made a radio pilot for the BBC. Simon Jones lives in New York, but he first met Douglas Adams at Cambridge, where he helped him get into this theater group run by students called the Footlights. Years later, Douglas Adams asked Simon Jones if he was interested in a role on his upcoming radio production. I have been uh, associated with the leading character, Arthur Dent, uh, ever since uh, Douglas Adams, the writer, came up with the name and the, and the character. The Hitchhiker's Guide is loved by fans of science fiction and fantasy, but its appeal defies genre. Not so much science fiction, but he uses science fiction uh, to actually express his <laughs> ah, irritation and uh, bewilderment by everyday goings-on in our ordinary mundane world. For example, Arthur is introduced as somebody who's lying down in front of a bulldozer because the local authority want to knock down his house to make way for a bypass. And, of course, he's taken away by his friend Ford Prefect, who turns out to be an alien from Beetlejuice, much against his will because he doesn't want to abandon his house to the bulldozer, only to be told that uh, the planet Earth is about to be demolished by some alien engineers called Vogons in order to make way for a hyperspace bypass. Um, In other words, he sets down his cards right at the beginning of the book by saying, this is what's happening in real life, imagine it on a cosmic level. So the alien, Ford Prefect, gets stuck on Earth while doing research for the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. The guide is essentially a travel book for the various planets with entries and lists that pop up the way Google results might. Ford Prefect's 15 years of research on planet Earth somehow gets edited down to a single adjective in the guide. He'd come up with the main definition, harmless. Um, after the Earth was destroyed, Arthur asks Ford what the definition is now. And Ford replies, mostly harmless. So trail names are usually given to people, but in some instances, you choose them for yourself. If Mostly Harmless came up with his, it's likely that he had read the series. The term is synonymous, not only with the fifth book in the series, but also with the name for our planet, 
which is destroyed on page 26 of the first book. Energize the demolition beams. Light poured out of the hatchways. There was a terrible, ghastly silence. There was a terrible, ghastly noise. There was a terrible, ghastly silence. He chose the name Mostly Harmless for a purpose. Whether he uh, wanted to, uh, to enjoy the earth before it was destroyed, that's quite a possibility. Mostly Harmless is the gloomiest book of all five. It does end with, um, with the earth and all the principal characters being destroyed by a Vogon constructor fleet, which everyone thought was a bit sad, but did at least finish the series, as far as Douglas was concerned. Maybe he was pessimistic about the, um, the future of the planet wanted to make the most of it. But the odd thing is to well, starve oneself to death seems a very odd thing to do. Our best guess at this point is that Mostly Harmless did die of malnutrition. A final report from the medical examiner is pending that might give more insight into that. But starvation doesn't make a ton of sense. Mostly Harmless had plenty of money, and he was just five miles from the Seminole Indian Reservation that we talked about last episode. That's where Mike Gromley ran into him in April. He was the trail angel who we believe was the last person who saw Mostly Harmless. Here's Detective Kevin O'Neill. Well, the food was limited what he had, but he did have food. Uh... And But he was on, where he was found, he was only five miles from a rest area. If he went down south, he would have been into the 63-mile marker, which had vending machines. It had, you know, hot drinks available through the vending machines. So he could have gotten someplace. And not too far north of him was the Seminole community, uh, which he could have resupplied there. Some people have wondered if Mostly Harmless was sick when he set out on his hike. Maybe he had a terminal diagnosis, and he wanted to do this thing before it was too late. Maybe he knew he would die during the trip and wanted to go that way. But I don't think that's it. In the tent, along with him, I found some paperwork. We did reach out to various sources, such as the FBI and stuff, and we confirmed it is. It was uh, computer language, and apparently it looked like he was writing a program for a game. Notebooks. Scrawled along their lined paper in cramped but neat handwriting were his plans for the future. There are dozens of pages written in a kind of shorthand to himself, outlining what he needed to develop for the game. He even lists areas in the world, like a roach motel and an algae pond. And then there are little lines of code here and there that we had some programming experts look at for us. And while a lot of it would have only made sense to Mostly Harmless, there are certain words like creep, spawn, and buff that referred to the way a character gains and loses power, and where they come back to life in the game. Mostly Harmless was also working on an app that would help fellow thru-hikers find water sources along the trail. And he was brainstorming different recipes for protein bars. There's a list labeled Future Flavors, where he includes strawberry, blueberry, apple, cherry, and peanut butter, plus the macronutrients for each. Here's Kelly Fairbanks. She's the trail angel from Crestview, Florida, who met Mostly Harmless in January of last year. I felt like he had plans because he wanted to go to Key West. He was working on building something, an app. 
for for me, I thought he saw a future there. So I didn't think if he had some kind of thing about dying, you know, it didn't make sense to me. A lot of people, and this is speculation, get get tired of the rat race, the nine-to-five jobs, and I think he was just trying to create something that made him happy or brought him joy. And that's why I think he may have quit his job and and just took off on a new adventure, and I don't think he saw the end coming. I really don't. If, if somebody was hiding from something, the last thing they want is a picture on, on social media. Another possibility is maybe he just didn't have any plans to ever go back to New York. Maybe there was a reason that was keeping him from there, and so he just disconnected completely, and maybe he had ideas of starting a new life somewhere else. I don't know. I can't rule out that he wasn't wanted by law enforcement also. I mean, it's another reason why people go off the radar is he being looked at. We did receive a tip that he might have been resembled somebody who was wanted for a crime at a Marion County, Florida, and and we haven't been able to definitively rule him out as a potential as being that suspect. So there's various reasons why people go missing and don't want to be found. So the notebooks. Was there anything else of value there? I, I tried to track those down to Dollar Tree. That, that's where they came from, and they were out of North Carolina. I spoke to their uh, law team up there, and the only thing she could tell me is that they're distributed to all the stores, but she couldn't give me any details. I sent her the SKU number or everything that I had on them. Cold again. I want you to listen to two other hikers who met Mostly Harmless. The first is Jeremy Knopp. He crossed paths with the hiker just outside of Orlando as he was heading south toward the Everglades. Jeremy was heading north, and the two spent some time giving each other advice about the journey ahead. The only thing that maybe stood out from any other hiker was that he was, uh, he just seemed calmer. He seemed at peace with what he was doing. I think most hikers think in the progress they're trying to make every day, I I don't think it's necessarily stressful, but I feel like you're putting a lot of effort into being intentional so the miles you're trying to make and just the the different aspects of what you have to deal with to meet your goal. But I remember that he said that he was doing very small miles, like usually less than 10 um, miles a day, which I also found a bit strange, and I'm sure that made him calmer. This is Brandon McDowell. He ran into Mostly Harmless when he was using the trail name Denim, so it was pretty early on in his trip. And they bonded that night. He also talked a lot about these three hard drives that he had left back home. had two very large, uh, two or three, I don't know how many exactly, but very large hard drives filled with movies, all kinds of stuff. Video games that he had saved, um, like, uh, like Doctor Who. Fun fact... Douglas Adams also wrote a few of the episodes for Doctor Who. This is way before the Netflix version. Um, and like, you know, Lord of the Rings type stuff, more nerdy type stuff, I guess you'd say. Here's the catch. Kelly Fairbanks says that the trail name probably has nothing to do with aliens or the end of the world. So maybe I wasted your time with the first four minutes of this episode. This is the story as Kelly heard it. Um, the story goes that he was coming down the Appalachian Trail and... He got into camp, and there were already hikers there sitting around a campfire. And hikers are a very welcoming crowd. Um, they 
motioned to him to come join them at the campfire as long as he didn't bite. And his response to that was, I'm mostly harmless. And they said, okay, mostly harmless. Well, I'm such and such and so and so. And they introduced themselves, and that's how he got his name. He could be a fan. He could have read the book. It could have a meaning to him. Anything's possible at this point. For every mention of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy in this case, there's been a reference to the 2007 film Into the Wild. It's based on the true story of a wealthy kid who forgoes modern society after graduation. He cuts up his credit cards and his birth certificate, and he travels to Alaska where he plans to live off the land. Christopher McCandless starts going by the alias Alexander Supertramp, and he meets all these people during his travels who take a real liking to him. Each time that happens, though, he takes off again. And then once he's finally out in Alaska, hunting for his own food with only his thoughts for company, his supplies start to run out. And he realizes that nature can be really harsh. Eventually, he comes to the conclusion that happiness is only real if it's shared. So he decides to go home. And this is where something really terrible happens. The stream that he crossed to reach his current campsite has risen, and now it's this violent, raging river that he can't cross safely. His food is gone, so he's forced to forage for plants and berries. It's widely believed that he ate something poisonous, because he ends up dying in a rusted-out bus that he used as a shelter. A couple of moose hunters find his body about two weeks later. The film is based off the diaries he kept detailing his journey, and in the last entry, he tells his family not to grieve his death. Hopefully my family is doing well, he writes, and my death does not pain them too much. It was a literal, once-in-a-lifetime chance to be able to experience a life without any interaction or connection to the outside world. I have learned what it is like to truly love and to be loved, and to be, in the most literal sense possible, happy. Human beings have this habit of trying to make sense of everything. We want what happens to have meaning. And when we hear stories like this of a man who died alone, not having breathed his real name to a single soul for the last year of his life, we want to know why. I certainly want to know why. Douglas Adams confronts the biggest question we humans face in his third book entitled The Answer to Life, the Universe, and Everything. And the answer, he says, is 42 which is, of course, absurd. A lot of fans have spent time trying to figure the significance of that number. But I think the idea is that we can't know. I think it means that even once we know this hiker's name, a lot about him will still be a mystery. That's it for us. We've put all of our cards on the table for this case. Now it's your turn to share this podcast and to help us get the facts out there. Maybe together we can reach someone who can at least answer one question. What was his real name? I'm going to leave you guys with the song that Eddie Vedder wrote for Into the Wild. I'm not much of a singer myself. Everyone I come across in cages they bought They think of me and my wandering but I'm never I'm my indignation, but I'm pure in all my thoughts. I'm alive. Wind in my hair, I feel part of everywhere. 
If you have a tip that could solve this case or any other in Southwest Florida, call Crime Stoppers at 1-800-780-TIPS. Sworn Statement is a production of the Collier County Sheriff's Office in Naples, Florida. It is produced, written, and edited by me, Christine Gill, of the Media Relations Department. Check for announcements about new episodes of Sworn Statement on our Facebook page, at facebook.com slash collier sheriff.